It was an afternoon of September 2019 when father and me were walking from one of the crowded lanes of Delhi. Humans paced it to each other, such a busy world that time or checking time seemed repulsive. Ants, insects, I'm sure, were there disfigured. The birds were nowhere seen in the sky loaded with dust and choking smoke. I wanted to have an ice cream, tasted like a hungry teen, several excitement of holding a cold, sweet block of ice as if after ages. I knew back home it would take me some future to witness the shops being reopened, flocked by students from across the city with friends and lovers making memories. I sort of wanted to live again, you know, practice or rather include myself among the normalcies of life. Uh, there were those eyes, you know, those eyes which othered me always, checked on me for being a Kashmiri, walking amid a satire when their chests were being boasted in TVs for changing my historic identity to a matter of a well-framed parliamentary speech. Uh, those eyes would not really humanize, they lacked the empathy, they were divorced from any human emotion, you know, which another human desired from them. Homesickness, mama's prayers and hug, and her hug, a promise she urged me to, you know, make, which read that, call me, keep calling on the neighbor's landline till it rings, but please keep calling. I knew that wait would multiple into an eternity until we would hear each other from again. The uncertainties were growing like mosses, unseen, but there. I missed hearing Mama. You know, I really missed her a lot. You know, her repeated calls asking me to recite Ayatul Kursi before attending a doctor. Every farewell ever made at the airport brought with it a chilling aftermath of all the maybes and the what ifs. Soon we crossed to school, you know, uh, just alongside the lane that we were traveling from, overcrowded with familiar faces, gossiping perhaps about the topper or the most beautiful newcomer. There were Golgapawalas, ice cream shops, candies, and fists holding the smile and weariness from the day's work. You know, it took me back to my school days and I always had a laid-back attitude towards the school excitement which the closing hours would bring. My sister suddenly crossed my mind, you know, her school ID card hung on the wall in the bedroom, so many cards with the passport-sized photos, gaining the dust of time, rustling, piling up, forgotten, misplaced. In most cases, these become memoirs of the disappeared children who never returned from their school. A sudden heartache overwhelmed me. I found myself drenched in sweat. A longing, a desperation, anger, frustration, all of this represented my existence. I was unnaturally jealous of the uniformed children with books in their hands, the air filled with the smell of the stories, the buzzing overtones, screams and laughters. It sort of suffocated me. I wanted to run away disappear, you know, amongst them and sometimes I wanted to tell them loudly how much our children equally deserved a childhood, a similar childhood. That was a beginning of uh, lies masquerading as journalists who for many months justified the lockdown and India's triumph in finally unifying Kashmir with India. The emergencies were heard by Kashmiris under the dark skies when the moon changed meaning, uh, birds stopped flying, letters piled upon the tables, books were reread and a motherly instinct of the graveyards being filled again. The ghost towns were everywhere. Home seemed estranged from its beholders. While in Delhi, the news flooded, narratives changed, multifold, hoardings being fixed on the busy crossroads, protecting the might of a country which put a cross on a former country's economy. You know, you see the development of it? These boards were everywhere, decorated, replacing the picturesque landscape of home, which now slept in the barbed fires, weeping, wailing. Many mouths under a spectacular spell of lies, hell-bent, believing the factured lies coming from my home. I was under a restraint of not speaking a word, of not addressing the corpses which were mounting in huge numbers. I was in a strange land which did not feel like home. That unbundled quiet in me was roaring inside, boiling. The words were numerous, but who would pay any heed? I was reading 
I would say it's Orientalism, and I read how there were always vigilantes who would, you know, make home among them, masters, writers, sympathizing with the victims, uh, bureaucrats holding offices of esteem with the sole purpose of acquiring knowledge of the Orient. That was happening. I knew. Every evening at eight, when the big mouths, uh, you know, normalize the curfew, announcing big how Kashmir was lavishing, enjoying a vacation from political upheaval, the truth was buried deep. But they struggled. The truth never hides; it resurrects. After all, God has ways. Airport was unusually sad. The goodbyes were heavy. After my check-in, my backpack was checked. I was sure they might look through the seven layers of my skin to see if I were hiding any of the truths. My laptop was asked for, unche- un- unlocked to see if I was carrying any harm, which would disintegrate the integrity. But they failed miserably. Uh, you know, uh, that morning I woke up to the news of, uh, you know, of delight. The Pulitzer Award in journalism being accorded to the Kashmiri journalists who tried everything to record the quiet through the pictures. That's when I wrote this. Uh, you know, my eyes overflowed with tears. I had yearned for an acknowledgement from a world which seemed to ignore and to accept the military control. The paradox of the valley captured in the poetic pictures: young men offering salutations, women still praying in hopeless times. The power upheld to shun the voices of truth and break the very foundation of speech. News from the recent past regarding the stringent acts being imposed on journalists. It's a matter of honest, uh, you know. It's a, it's a matter of honor and pride for all of us collectively. Today's dawn did not come empty. It brought with it a hope which was seemingly dying. I want to travel back in time and replace the, those hoardings everywhere with these pictures. I want them to know what made them win this prestigious award. I wonder if the subject would make news at all. The bustling bazaars of Sherikas, the architecture is so unique amidst holy shrines which ate the ailing hearts and hopeless eyes. Sweet, clever-witted masas conversing as they purchase hakabut from the cycler vegetable vendor who comes from Bandipura every week. The visuals of seeing a kandur, a gur, a puj and a thantar not so far apart from each other can only be witnessed in downtown. There's affection, there's absolute love, serenity coupled with a history of torture, conflict and hartals. Every culture will have an inner narrow lane housing ancestries of people, each of whom would have uh, lost a lakhse jigar. There are graffitis everywhere, revolution, azadi, inkalab. Today I heard a woman say that downtowners are born clever. In fact, children born in downtown are known for the nastiness, always seen on the road speaking typical kosher. A typical downtown kid for example, no matter how organized at home would always return back home, uh, you know, after playing with bruises on his face, dirty clothes and would have definitely broken like one or two window panes of his neighboring aunt. My childhood memories are ones which remind me of my grandmother with whom I would visit Khan Gaimola, Said Sobun, Mansur Sobun. She would visit these shrines uh, and would pray for her sons, daughters, daughter-in-laws, neighbors. In fact, everybody she could recall at that moment. Back home, my hands would always carry the herb which would which I would later share with my dad. It's not always, however, the historical monuments which speak high of downtown or become representatives of it. But there are echoes of absolute misery, of devastation, slogans of hum kya chahte azadi. Uh, these slogans would break in the middle of the night and would break the dominating thick silence. You know, when our hearts would beat even faster, moments when we would hold each other more dearer and closer than before. 
with barricades and surveillance, uh, you know, bunkers eyeing upon the already meager playgrounds in downtown. Most children prefer playing within their own localities now. Mansoor, as I recall, uh, a young boy of 12 who captained a cricket team of meek boys, he was the one with red cheeks, sweet smile and amazing cricketing skills. I haven't seen him for more than a year now. Almost a year ago, I was investing my time reading a book titled uh, Feast of Roses when I heard screams. Mansoor's slender bodies, struggling to establish domination, was being carried on the shoulders of men seen in olive clothes. His friend had hid himself from the army in a tin shed. He was uh, found 12 hours later, scared. Their only fault was their passion for cricket. There are too many Mansoors. The dominion of these children seems condensing day by day. Far, you know, fair surrounds them, their cleverness, high-pitched voices being silenced. The world of innocence uh, surrenders and too soon, too quick, they leap into the world of experience. Their handsome bearded faces carry the weight of a conflicted history. I don't see boys play cricket anymore. I don't hear slogans anymore. The culture which would always, uh, always, you know, uh, never land into slumber. It would never land. The culture which would never land into slumber now stands grimly confused upon seeing the nakedness of its cemented zigzags, the absentness of the kids and their winning whistles. Downtown is majestic. It's always home. 